Hello everybody and welcome back to Chapter Tactics where we talk about tactics and strategies for both new and veteran players alike. I am your host Magikarp Usefly and with me today we have the wonderful John P. Hey, what's up everyone? And we've also got the one, the only Scary. I pressed the wrong button. Scary. Hello, uh representing the old in the room. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you're not you're not that old. You're like uh, I'm you're, a grognar. Yeah, you're I'm a officially grognar. <laughs> a grognar now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so today we're talking about downplaying overpowered armies, and we're saying to do this as a, a way to play against your friends. Um, I know that usually we stick with like more competitive stuff, and we will tie that in at the end of this episode. But uh, the point of this is to kind of like talk about. You know, there is obviously Codex creep right now with the latest armies that are out. We're talking about Tau, Custodes, Eldar, Harlequins, and uh, upcoming Tyranids, right? And so sometimes you're going to be playing like these strong armies into armies that aren't very strong, like your Space Marines or like your Necrons or something like that, right? Um, And during that time, uh, it might feel bad for your friends and stuff like that. So this episode is mostly talking about how to still play your overpowered armies or like your strong armies but you know at the end still having friends to play with at the end right like that's that that's the main goal here is to not shoo away your friends with how strong your armies are um but that's basically the topic that we're talking about and then uh scary is also going to talk about ways that uh you can use these different ways that you are kind of downplaying your armies to make yourself a better player in future events just have to, you know, get zen with it. Um, mm-hmm. And I will say, though, um, this uh, entire show is brought to you by... Oh, it's brought to you by FrontlineGaming.org, where you can get amazing game mats for not just your 40K games, but almost any tabletop game out there. Purchase miniatures at a discount and join some of the largest 40K events in the industry. They also have great podcasting, uh, or great podcasts such as Chapter Tactics, which you're listening to right now, uh, Signals from the Frontline, Thursday show with Adam Camillari, and there's also a new episode of uh, 40K Game Changers with Brad Chester, um, and they're like going over 40K and uh, basically like Brad's uh, entire life. So it's actually really cool. Go check that out. Um, tickets for Cruise Hammer is up as well. So go get that. Uh, tickets for uh, BAO is also up if you haven't gotten that already. Uh, San Diego Open is GW. And then um, I think that LSO as well, also available. Go get your events, guys. It's, it's, it's happening. It's crazy. It's going to be another season of the ITC. I'm really, really excited to see how this season shapes up competitively. However, in between competitive games, you're going to be playing with your friends, your buddies. Not everybody goes to all these events, and you might just be hanging out like in the garage playing some games every weekend or you know every other week or whatever it is that you and your friends get together to play games. And the internet can be quite... Um, overwhelming at times. I know people who mm-hmm. actively avoid the internet discourse so they don't get discouraged about collecting the miniatures that they love. Yeah, definitely. There's a lot of that as of right now. Um, it's very, very... Uh, y- y- one could say salty, I guess. Like, There's a lot of salty people out there mm-hmm. um, against armies. Some of it is rightfully so, right? Agreed. Um, yeah. Uh, some of it is kind of uh, not cool. Like, some of it is a little bit too uh, egregious or sensationalist, I guess. Yeah, yeah the, the, it does come to the hot take sort of, like, society that we kind of live in nowadays where mm-hmm. you just sort of have to follow that rabbit down the hole. However, it's not all doom and gloom, okay? Mm-hmm. Like, even if you're playing a crazy competitive uh, book or, quote, highly efficient book, there are ways that you can definitely make it a more enjoyable experience for you when you want to have friends and uh and your friends yeah yeah and like you know what's also very interesting all three of us own uh armies that are uh that are or that were strong or are currently strong and uh you know we've kind of felt like uh you know uh the backhand of the community and like you know uh, what they want versus uh, what we're enjoying out of our armies. Like, uh, John P., you had Admech, right? How was it playing, like, with Admech when uh, when they were, like, incredibly strong, uh, according to the community? 
Yeah, I remember I was I mean I was playing against other people and I was like, all right, I get this many shots and uh I ignore your cover, I get plus one, I reroll this, and it's like sixty of them. So here we go. <laughs> and they just watched me shoot them down and then I'd be like, All right, this unit now all the wounds you on fours and here we go. <laughs> yeah, and, right. Uh, yeah, you know. Yeah. It uh it it was if I was like playing against like a CPU or something, it would have been pretty fun. But playing against an actual human being, I was like that. Like I can actually see the reaction of. I was like, oh god, <laughs> I'm sorry, man. <laughs> yeah. this, is what, this is what I'm working with. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And what's really interesting is that um, <laughs> uh, when when AdMac first came out, right, um, compared to what it is now, a lot of people when uh, uh, when finding them now, it's like a lot of. Oh, you get this and this and this and this. That is ridiculous that you get all this. But then, like, you, you usually win through points, uh, anyways, against Admec sometimes, just because you know uh, it's hard for them to stay on points. Um, yeah, yeah. So like, they they got a a, a pretty big nerf. Um, they're still yeah. pretty good. It's just that it takes a lot of uh, mental prowess to go through that. Um, but how did playing Admec during that time? feel for you like did you feel bad playing that army and did you feel like you shouldn't be playing that army against people yeah i remember i played uh probably like three or four games our league uh playing as admic i remember when i told the to that i was playing admic <laughs> he gave me like one of those like uh like uh emotes there was like oh darn you <laughs> oh <laughs> yeah next player and then like i when I was uh, setting up my games, like, oh, you're playing the boogeyman, huh? <laughs> you, you you get comments like those, but like, yeah. you show up, you play, you have a good time, and people are just like, yeah, that was that was pretty strong. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's it's, it's mean, hard to of, avoid yeah. it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you kind of just have to laugh, laugh, and be like, yeah, definitely pretty strong. <laughs> Sorry, man. I here's, don't... Yeah, here's 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 my rust stalkers, by the way. <laughs> I can also fight you in melee, ignoring everything, all the bad things <laughs> yeah rest in peace the or not rust stalkers uh the balstari right that's the the chicken, chicken walker the yeah. chicken walkers yeah rest chicken in walkers. peace yeah rust stalkers are still, hit, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Stalkers are still in a good spot They're yeah rust stalkers are great. not too bad yeah 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 and then what about you scary uh being the drukari player you had you know you faced adversity as a drukari player i can only imagine what was that like i played black templars <laughs> um, you know that was that was my solution. Like I, I did play the Drukari, especially if we were going to or playing like a competitive event. I took my Dark Eldar. You know, if I was going to a, I was trying to go and place or podium at a, at a tournament, my Dark Eldar were the ones that came out to play. I yeah. always ran, made sure that I ran my own version of the Dark Eldar because I've been playing them for such a long time. I didn't just want to copycat and like what was the most efficient so what i found as a faction expert for dark eldar specifically that i could take all of the units that were terrible in the book and use them in conjunction with some of the good units and i got to practice and play with a lot of the stuff that nobody else was playing with so i got to use like beast packs mm. and like the beast master and like you know just units that you didn't really see very often and still had a lot of fun with it. Yeah, definitely. Um, uh, and then as for me, uh, you know, I own Ar uh, Harlequins. We don't have to go much into that just because, you know, if, if you're keeping up with the meta, you, you can obviously tell uh, where they're at as of right now. Um, but, you know, even though these armies were strong or are strong, uh, there's still ways that you can make the army, uh, you know, kind of like hit uh, softer against your friends uh, in order to keep your friends and make sure that they keep playing with you. And I think that that's like the first thing that we should break down here. Uh, and that's just coming up with like making the list. Uh, do you guys have a lot of experience with building an army that like punches lower than uh, uh, than they should expectedly do? Right. Yes, oh yes. Um, I think one of the biggest things you can look at, if you want to punch less, is just look at it less efficiently. I think it's yeah, one of the, the biggest, biggest things one. to do. Yep. Yep. I think that's because when you're playing for competitive match play games, you're going to be building a list that is fine tuned to get as many points as possible with as few resources as possible. Right? Or doesn't get hit so hard when your opponent mm -hmm. kills or takes away pieces 
from your force. So you're running like specific units to do very specific jobs and at a sort of squad cap, like six mandrakes or six dire avengers, you know, so that you can do actions, you know, yeah, and you can yeah. like get those points and you're 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 not giving the sergeant upgrades because you need to keep him cheap because if you take that three or four times that's the same amount of points as getting a fourth squad in instead of giving a power sword to everyone. Yeah. So I think one of the first things you can do is make your list less efficient by taking upgrades, taking full squads, like just making it more um bloated if that makes sense yeah yeah i can definitely see that like um you know some armies uh don't have the luxury of doing that right uh but some armies do you know um and so you know doing things that people normally wouldn't do like uh instead of taking let's say uh when you're playing crusher stampede instead of taking you know um edema or something you could just put in an exocrine you know like it's not as good but it's still fun, you know, and uh, people aren't going to get as angry at you, right? And it's just like making those choices of not using those very, very efficient units that you see everywhere, you know. Um, and I think that that's like the best thing that you can do. What about you, John P? What do you think? Yeah, uh, I think with some of these collects, it's very obvious that maybe one or two faction traits uh, are going to be super strong. Like, for example, with admec like people were playing mars lucius and some metallica spice in there but you never see stuff like rizza or graia or yeah i don't even stygies uh so maybe you could consider playing some of those other lesser efficient armies that have some fun niches maybe you like it because of lore maybe you like it because uh they have like one very cool thing that you want to do so i think that's a, another way to look at it yeah like that's just... a very good point mm -hmm. very good point i, I did that all the time i went through all of the weird cabals and like witch cults and so because everybody was running strife and dark technomancer and cabal of blackheart and that was like the only thing everyone ran and so i didn't run any of those yeah 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 just like going with different uh just different playstyles. like if you were playing gray knights going with like what blades of victory for uh re-rolling your charge roll uh every once in a while or just taking just other stuff that people aren't going to see. Like, if you're taking Crusher Stampede instead of taking Leviathan, you could take something like Hydra. Like, that's fun. You could do Kraken. You could do Kronos. You don't have to always be playing the things that are the most efficient. However, we do come across, or we do run into this problem of what do you do when, even when you uh, kind of, like, nerf your own army, uh, how, how do you deal with uh, other armies that still can't compete with the nerfed version of what you're doing uh, you know what I mean? I think that you have to have a conversation with your opponent as to what the aim of the game is, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that's the most important thing. Because one of the things you want to do, if, if your opponent wants to play a match play mission and you know they're not as experienced as you, for example, or they're playing a, a less optimized army, you could A, make it more of a challenge for yourself by number one, toning down your list by bloating it up or taking less efficient choices. But B, like you could become sort of like a coach to your opponent and mm -hmm. sort of like be an open book, play like a poker, like a poker hand with all your cards out and just tell them exactly what's going to happen as it's happening to kind of make sure that they make the most optimal choices throughout the course of that entire game as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What about you, John P? Do you have a uh, Do you have uh, any suggestions on that one? Uh, I mean, I like what Scar said. Like, play like an open book, um, kind of just like guide them through. It's like going through a tutorial, and like the mm -hmm. first stage of like an RPG or just any kind of game, where they're like, "All right, get ready." It's a fine line, though. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like you don't want to be like telling them what to do because you know you don't want to come across as like rude or whatever. Yeah, but at yeah. the same time, you know, kind of explaining this is what I'm setting up to do. Or, like, I'm going to use these stratagems in succession next turn. Like, this yeah. is my plan. And then giving them an opportunity to sort of foil your plan by mm -hmm. making a plan of their own sort of thing. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's like, it's like presenting them with, like, a multiple-choice question. Like, mm -hmm. you know, the answers are there. They just have to figure it out which one rather than just, like, leaving them out in the dark, you know, or just giving them, like, yeah, do this. <laughs> 
Although, you know, yeah. they're not just going to learn if you just tell them what to do, you know? <laughs> yeah, definitely. Well, well, how do you guys uh, deal with that if they choose, like, the wrong decision? Do you try to coax? Do you try to, like, push them towards the better decision that's going to be better for them? Or do you just let them do it? I feel like you have to let the person who's playing the game play the game. You know mm-hmm. I mean, like, first and foremost, like, you can't just be like, no, nah, that's the wrong choice, you know, yeah. because... Like, you know, you don't want to come across oh, yeah. as a jerk. Yeah, yeah. You know no, I mean? I'm, I'm, I'm not like, saying that. I'm saying, like, if you were to say something like, are you sure you want to do that? And then, like, yeah, it'd reiterate. Be, it'd be like, uh, you yeah. know, me, like, uh, so, like, for example, if depending, it really depends on the relationship you have with the person you're playing with, if mm-hmm. that makes sense. Like, it, it, it's not a cut and dry answer. Yeah. Because yeah. you can have a, you can be meeting someone for the first time at your local game store where you're having a pickup match play game. And most people play match play because it's sort of like the you know well-known version of the game that everybody has most contact with. So it's like that expectation is. Um, so if you went that, you could say something like, uh, "Don't forget that I can do this." Yeah, you know, yeah. or something like that. Like you know, I can do this next turn. And yeah, then they'd be like, like, oh, yeah, that's right. You know, don't forget that I can heroic six inches. You know, exactly. Like, yeah. You might not want to get so close. You, know, you don't tell them don't get so close. Be like, oh, don't forget that this guy right here can heroic six inches. You know, and if they still want to get up nice and close, well, that's that's their choice at that point. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know I mean? yeah. 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 It's like, yeah, leaving them like just a friendly reminder here and there. You don't want to cross that line and be like overbearing and start to backseat them. Um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, like uh, recently, me and John P were playing a game, and it was um, it was like Blood Angels versus Harlequins, and uh, you know, uh, we kept telling each other, "Hey, don't forget that this thing can do a six inch heroic intervention. This thing can do this. This one, you know, I'm gonna fight on death. Stuff like that. Like just, you know, just like prepping your opponent to understand what's going to happen, but not like forcing them to make that decision, but just giving them the option that it's there, right? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. like if you yeah. do this, I can do this. <laughs> yeah. Kind of yeah. 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 And yeah. another thing to remember is, you know, a lot of times there's a lot of resistance when people play a very powerful faction mm-hmm. because they feel that they didn't have agency in what happened at all. You know, like you just felt like there was no way that you could have changed the outcome no matter what you did. And that can that leads to feel bad moments, right? When when you're playing the game and, and at the end of it you go, I don't see any way that I could have changed the outcome of that game. And that could be very frustrating for people. Yeah. So I think, A, it's important to have that open book. But B, as a player of, of like Tau, for example, Tau have a crazy amount of overlapping rules that sort of like all overlap to create like some monstrous like shooting phases. Mm-hmm. If you're playing against someone who hasn't played against Tau very often or doesn't, you don't want to get leave that feel bad. Even if you're playing a toned down list, take the time to explain like an order of operations. Because yeah. a lot of times we expect the person who we're playing against to understand the lingo, especially in like a competitive event. If you're like top table or whatnot, you're going through like terms and lingos and order of operations and your opponent's just kind of nodding along because they understand what you're doing as you're doing it. Mm-hmm. But like... Not everyone is following that very, very quickly. And sometimes they just, you just need to slow down and be like, okay, yeah. this guy has a warlord trait that does this, and he's going to do it on this guy. And then they register that information, and then you can go to the next thing, right? And then it, once you've kind of go, okay, so now that I've got all that, okay, this unit deletes that unit, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. But it like gives people like a, a path of like a, you know, like a programming path of how that happened. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it, it, yeah and it, um, for people that like play regularly on like something like streams or whatnot, it actually helps out a lot because you always have to like describe to your audience like what you're doing, why you're doing this, how you're getting these buffs and everything like that. So it actually helps out a lot by just vocally speaking about what you're doing and how you're getting things and not just being like, this guy's going to shoot here. I get to reroll because of this. Like, you know, like doing that really fast. You could say, He's going to get this. I'm going to give him this ability. Um, he's going to be able to reroll this and this and this. And then I'm going to do this and this. You know, like just kind of like laying it out like bullet point by bullet point because you have to do that already. So just like actively talking about what you're doing actually helps you out a lot. 
um, later on. Like, and your opponent too. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, like it yeah. helps them out too. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of people like to do like uh, hiding in or like not a lot, but some people like to, you know, kind of hide information for the gotcha moments. Right. Um, but like that doesn't make you a better player. That just makes you kind of like mean. Like it's just, it doesn't really do anything. It doesn't make it's like beating up on uh, somebody that's like bronze tier in League of Legends and you're like diamond. Like it does. You're not gaining anything off of that interaction at all. Yeah. Uh, so what do you guys do then um, in terms of like uh, like things like decision making? When it comes to the game, do you try to do things that are more wild and more eccentric than you normally do? Like, how do you go about that process? Uh, I guess for me, it depends on what kind of game the other person wants. Like, if they're actually trying mm -hmm. to get better, like strategically, then you know maybe I'll play, uh, I'll play the mission more, but like just slow ease up on it. But if they're just like here to have fun, then maybe I'll just ignore the objective, go try to snipe their character or something, or go for a while 12 inch charge that i just don't need to go for 12 inch charges are always good it doesn't matter yeah. <laughs> if yeah. it's competitive or not just throw out a 12 inch charge every once in a while yeah. it lightens up the mood it doesn't matter <laughs> if it happens especially like everybody's cheering for that to happen yeah um yeah. you know and then it's like you know facepalm moments be like god believe that <laughs> um, yeah. to be honest i think it you know john b you had said it perfectly it's it's depending on what your opponent wants to play if they're like you know what i need to practice so please play like a tight game okay play a tight game but a lot of the times if if it's something like i'm playing my drukari and i'm playing against my friend tyler and he's got his like whatever he was playing at the time oh yeah it was like raven guard or whatever he's playing like his space marine raven guard at the height of drukari power you know first and foremost i'm probably not going to play 2000 points i'm going to play like 1500 points Mm -hmm. Because, you know, it gets kind of crazy when you play bigger games. Secondly, I'm probably not even playing match play. I'm playing, like, Tempest of War, Open which are the new cards, which are fantastic. Oh, my goodness, yes. yes. They're so good. They're so good. Yeah. Um, uh, open, open War cards or whatever, which happened before Tempest, or Maelstrom, or, or mm. something that's just not the cut and dry, I built my list to be super efficient type of mission. Because, you know, when you play match play, it gives you opportunity to build that list within the framework to be very efficient at what you want it to do. So I'm trying to like take all that away. And then last but not least, I'll do stuff like, let's put everything on the line in YOLO, you know, and just see what happens, you yeah. know? And, and it's like, normally I'd be very conservative with this unit and this unit, and I wouldn't commit this unit till turn three, but I've got the Animus Vitae and I've got a bunch of Helions and I'm going to run my Archon up, throw the grenade, advance and charge all these Helions, and they're probably going to die by turn two. And I'm used to having them not die by turn two. You know? So yeah. let's see what I can do after that. So I'll yeah. use it for, like, practicing wacky, like, gung-ho scenarios in, like, little localized pockets within the game. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, uh, another game that uh, me and John... It's the same game that me and John P played. But, like, <laughs> it was a lot of fun because uh, I took uh, the Yinkarn um, in an auxiliary detachment. So I forgoed my Strands of Fate. I forgoed Luck of the Laughing God. Um, I played the Dark Sadist so I can fight on death so I don't lose, like, too much value off of, you know, my troops dying. And I was just like, I'm not going to take my Invuln save. I'm just going to let my unit die. I don't care. And then just pop up the Yinkarn. And, like, it, that helped me learn things like, uh, you know, trying to figure out, like, where to place him and, you know, stuff like that. And that made the game so much more fun uh, for just, like, both of us because I'm just, like, I'm going to put him here. Oh, now the Yinkarn's over here. Now it's over here. And, you know, you, you, you when you make these bad decisions, right, it seems like it's, like, you're throwing away the game and you're not getting, like, much information out of it. But... Every game, you can get information out of the game. It just depends on where you're looking and what you want uh, out of that game, right? And I think that's mostly what we're talking about is just, like, getting the information and finding the information that you need out of these practice games, even though they're, like, quote-unquote, not competitive, right? Yeah, so you, you basically cover both your bases. You mm -hmm. get your, your, your need as a competitive player to sort of like continuously improve and learn and get better at the game and be more efficient. But doing that with a very inefficient like series of units and, and combinations of units that's not the most efficient, but you're still trying to be 
the most efficient with the mechanics that you've built into this non-efficient list, if that makes exactly. sense. Exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, so uh, you touched on, um, what is it, Tempest of War, Schemes of War. Uh, I, I forgot what it's called. I, is it Tempest, Tempest, of Tempest of War? Tempest of War, yeah. Tempest of War? Okay. So, yeah. um, you know, uh, you talked about that, and I think that that's actually a huge, huge um, problem that 40k did have uh, uh, in ninth edition when it first started because in eighth edition we had Maelstrom of War. Ninth edition started yep. and Maelstrom of War was gone at that point, right? And because of that, the only ways that people had to play match play uh, was through the GT mission pack, and uh, we didn't have like a, a casual match play mode. It was always the GT mission pack. You can play open war, but then when you play open war, then you know you can bring like five of one unit and it doesn't matter right um and then like the maps are a little bit different you could probably do some homebrew games of like trying to come up with different rules uh for match play and stuff like that uh or combining match play with open war because you know you're doing garage hammer so it doesn't really matter but i think that the tempest of war coming out now it should have come out like a year ago because it's so it's so so much fun uh playing tempest of war um yep yeah, uh, Scar, do you want to actually go over how to play Tempest of War for people that don't know about it? Absolutely. Yeah. So anybody who doesn't know, Games Workshop just released, uh, like, a, it's a deck of cards. It's like an oversized deck of cards called Tempest of War. It has two decks. You have one series of cards for you and one for your opponent. It's 20 cards. Now, if you play match play, you'll be familiar with a lot of the stuff in this deck. But the way that you play it is a little different. So you draw a random deployment, which doesn't vary too much from any of the deployments that you normally play. I think there's like one weird one. Um, then you, you draw a mission card, which will essentially be one of the match play missions that you normally get to play. Either hold yeah. one, hold two, hold more, or something else. Like, and there's five objectives on the, on the table, and you take turns putting five objectives down on the table. One in each deployment zone, and then three in no man's land. And then you take one mission special rule, and you apply that. So in a lot of match play missions, there is a mission special rule. Like, you don't get your CP if your commander's dead, or you have to hold your objective to get your CP, or there's no forward deploy, like no forward or forward deploying or whatever. There's a variety of different ones in there. Mm. And they're, they're not as crazy as some of the open war ones, which yeah. are like like game-breaking crazy. Yeah, okay. like real like some of them can be really bad. <laughs> There's some yeah, really bad ones exactly. out there. Yeah. Like terrible. To the mm-hmm. point where, you know, you, you kind of have to be able to veto some of them sometimes. <laughs> yeah. But so then you once you've laid that out, um, you each get so at the start of your command phase, you have like you know what your primary mission is, which is essentially hold objectives like normal, and you can score a max of forty-five points, like old school match play. You know, five for everything you can do, mm-hmm. and then the person going second usually scores it at the end of their last turn. The same as with match play, and then you draw three secondary cards from this secondary deck, and each one that you complete is worth five points, and you cash them in like at the end of your turn normally or mm-hmm. whenever it says that you can do it. Yeah. And but they're all the secondaries from the match playbook except instead of having to do it the sa- the same secondary over and over again, you get to try and do a variety of different secondaries throughout the course of the whole game and you have to do it once, score it and then you try and do something else. And yeah. you only need to score 7 cards to max out your 45 primary points. Mm-hmm. over and you can redraw you can get rid of your cards so it becomes like a really fun like and it's a very balanced game because it can swing one way or another you can score all three of your cards when your opponent doesn't that turn and it just makes it very engaging because you're trying to do a lot of little things with the whole course of the whole game but it's still within that match play framework which is phenomenal yeah that and that's like the biggest reason as to why it's so good is because like you know like i said before you know we didn't have this casual uh uh, match play ruling right and like that's like casual match play uh makes it so then people can still practice like their armies but also not feel bad and have a good time still like uh again when me and john p played we're playing uh um 
what is it? Uh, Tempest of War. And, you know, it's the whole, you put one objective marker in your deployment zone, and we're just like, you know what? What if we put our deploy- the objective markers in our deployment zone because it was Dawn of War, and then we put it in No Man's Land, separating them nine inches apart, but we just put it all on one side of the board. And then, like, we just, like, home ruled to just put our armies on the other side of the board, still uh, Dawn of War deployment. And, like, it was just so much fun. Like, I can't get over how fun Tempest of War is. Uh, John P., um, what, do you, what did you think about Tempest of War? Yeah, it was great. I mean, like, I mean, the way we set it up, too, it's just, like, we had pretty much all of our army on just one side of the field, just ready. Everyone was just ready to go. Um, <laughs> um, Counter charge. We are yeah. just... It was pretty much just a big slobber knocker in the middle. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was great. It was a um, good time. Yeah, I mean, like, uh, plus, like, uh, the random factor, too. Uh, very exciting for not only the players, but just also people watching on stream. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. all right, what's he getting this time? Here we go. Oh, <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and and then uh, some, of the, some of the secondaries are actually changed. Like, grind them down uh, is changed mm. a little bit where uh, you score it at your turn, and then your opponent, uh, even if you get second turn, like, if you have bottom of round, like, in regular match play, if you have bottom of round and you killed more uh, units than your enemy did, then, you know, you get points for grind them down. Whereas in Tempest of War, your opponent still gets their turn. Even if you do have bottom of turn, on their turn, uh, that's when it counts. So, like, there, there's, like, small differences uh, comparatively to, you know, the GT mission pack. Um, but, like, it just it just helps out so much and one thing that i did learn off of the list that i brought was that uh you know um i took one of them where it was i had to kill things in the shooting phase and i had to kill three units and i had to keep a tally every time i killed a unit in order to score uh my five points and i realized i do not shoot well uh i i did not shoot well with that army and so now i can take that into consideration if i wanted to go ahead and keep going with that army and then like refine it more because i like that play style but i can like refine it more now that i have that knowledge of okay i can't i don't have that much shooting that's good into certain armies right and that's like mm-hmm. knowledge that you can take later on yeah yeah, yeah exactly you can just fine tune it but that's and but that's in a very like friendly sort of like non Mm. sweaty environment if that yeah. makes sense you know yeah, but you're yeah. still you're still playing your your more competitive optimized book it's just in this in a situation that's not like crazy optimized or designed for yeah exactly exactly and that's like the biggest uh point of it right uh are, are there any other uh game modes that uh you enjoy scary that you like to play uh like as a friendly casual game with a toned down overpowered army <laughs> i know that sounds like a lot like toned down overpowered army well i i like dipping into some of the old scenarios oh okay. you know like doing interesting a, so yeah I'll do I'll do like a bunker assault mission every once in a while, or a planet strike mission mm-hmm. uh, for anybody who remembers what those are, or a um, or a sabotage mission where there's a whole there's a whole setup phase of the game where you're playing with your army trying to avoid enemy sentries who are trying to raise the alarm to your army like getting close to plant an explosive in the middle of the table, mm-hmm. essentially, and I find that playing like it helps me fine tune my creative thinking when it comes to competitive play, because a lot of the times you can only ever get into weird scenarios when you're playing weird missions and you learn how to like problem solve with your units that you have available. And then you sort of, and then that translates sometimes into competitive play where you're in a pickle and there's a problem you need to solve. And you kind of like have, you have precedent with some weird, situations that you would have never seen elsewhere yeah yeah and i guess that kind of brings us to like the main topic of this episode which is just like using the knowledge that you're gaining off of playing underpower or you know uh softballing your armies a little bit and uh playing these different uh modes in order to make yourself better at future events uh scar do you want to explain that even more i know they just touched up on it but like is there uh more information that you can give off about that yeah it you can't you, you have to not be afraid mm-hmm. is what it is. You know, because a lot of people that meta chase specifically are, are on a timetable, if that makes sense. So they don't have the, they, they're very on crunch time to like build an army, build an army list, get it painted, take it to the next GT before it gets nerfed or whatever it is. Like there's, 
you know, there's that, there's, there's a lot of, some people have that mentality, but for someone who wants to be a faction expert and who wants to really understand and learn how to play their faction well, like, you know, for example, mm. I've done with Drukari for so many years, it's like, I'm not the, I'm not perfect at playing the game, but I'm very creative at problem solving. Right. Mm. And it's because I, put myself into games or scenarios that aren't just the framework of matched play. I can come at it from different angles because I've played with my Drukari in an ambush mission, mm -hmm. like from the Cities of Death Codex or with Cities of Death book or whatever it is, yeah. where I've had to forcibly put half my army into reserve and try and beat up on some Iron Hands or whatever. So I only had like half my army to do the job that I needed. And it wasn't even the half that I wanted to use. It was the half that the mission told me I had to use. And you know, so I get good at using terrible units to do jobs that they might not be useful for in situations that are not ideal. Yeah. And then in match play, what happens? You play at a tournament. Your opponent has a good turn, blows up like your key piece or something that you were really planning to do, and all of a sudden you're left with the dregs of your plan. And unless you have those creative, like, that creative thought process, you'll, you'll get, you'll sort of like, your fight or flight response will kick in, and then you'll get tilted. And then you won't, you won't problem solve, you'll just react, right? Yeah, yeah. And it's about problem solving. And I find that playing narrative, like mm -hmm. friendly games, and pushing yourself as a player with your faction specifically outside of that box translates very well to longevity with that faction regardless yeah. of power of codex yeah that's really interesting so uh what with the different missions that you play um does it help you like you know something where uh you have the planet strike that's the one where your the entire enemy army has to like drop down right um, mm -hmm. that's how it is that's the premise that's one of the missions there's like yeah. six different or seven different missions in there. Yeah, yeah 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 but even like using that do, do they have uh, like a nine inch denial like they can't drop in within nine inches oh or? there's it there's so many is there, is there so many there's different some, ones there's so many different <laughs> styles yeah yeah you, you know but a lot of the times each new mission or campaign supplement or mm -hmm. like crusade missions that you play have different stratagems you can use you know, so you have to like learn them on the fly and understand when to use these brand new stratagems that like you can just use for this mission pack or put like priority, like when you're playing Cities of Death, you can turn buildings into like Medicare facilities or ammo dumps that give you like rerolls and feel no pains. And, you know, you're trying to fight over like these key locations on the map. Um, but it also makes you flexible in, 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 digesting all this information yeah. on the fly and then applying it. So when it mm -hmm. comes to the fast rate the GW releases rules, if you're used to just like taking a brand new rule set or mission pack, reading it and then playing a game with it and then applying all the crazy stuff, like it's a lot easier to kind of follow the the crazy fast release that GW does sometimes. Yeah, yeah, it's all it's also like because uh, you talked about uh, people who uh, are chasing the meta and going with like an army to army, right? Buying whatever is hot at the moment and then quickly painting that up and then switching to another one. We see we saw that a little bit with Tau as of right now with a lot of Tau players um, switching off of Tau and then going over to like Harlequins and stuff. So, um, you know, that's definitely something that does happen. And when you are doing that meta chasing, you know... Um, not that it's bad if people like to do that. Like, that's totally within Completely. your prerogative. Yeah. It's fine. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, a lot of those people can also be really good top players. Like, there's a lot of top players that do that. And, like, that's totally yep. fine. Um, but for, like, your average Joe Schmo, that might not be the best option for you. Right? Like, uh, with... Uh, I, I know that I keep saying, like, with League of Legends. But there's so many parallels to that game to, like, what's uh, 40K, right? Is that... Um, uh, that there's a reason why there's one trick ponies for League of Legends, right? Is because you're always going to feel comfortable no matter what happens. And if you play all these different modes, it doesn't matter. You're you're like what Scarry is saying, you know, you're problem solving in your head how to deal with like 
bad situations. And eventually the meta, if you're like a meta chaser or yeah. you want to do well, eventually the meta does a full circle and your army mm -hmm. has its spot in the sun, like yeah. Dark Eldar for like eight months. And it's not always what it's cracked up to be because then it's like, you know, we, we just went over that. But. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but like, okay, so like how do you deal with... Um, when you pull up to a table, let's say that you're taking like an army that you really, really enjoy, you know, like you really enjoy Jakari, uh, John P, you like Admech, right? Um, how do you deal with uh, going up against somebody? Um, let's say that's just like a random person um, and you're just playing against them and you're playing like a really fun list of or a really fun version of your strong army. Um, how do you deal with that? Because I know that there's a lot of negativity that can happen uh, before the game even starts. Like how do you co how do you uh, make them feel better about the game? You can go ahead and go you first if you want. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I would say I think it's just the best. Uh, I don't know just try to have a good time with the guy. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, try to talk to them a little bit before the game. Just uh, maybe just talk about just like maybe traffic, the event that you're at. Try to get the, their mind off the game just a little bit first. That way, you like. You can get a little more personable with them. It's not just like, all right, I'm here to crush you with my strong army, you know? Yeah. <laughs> kind yeah. of feel. Um, I actually played against a guy at LVO who was playing uh, Speed Freak Orcs. Uh, and he was playing like a buggy list, flyers list. And he's been playing that kind of style list for like years. Um, he started 40K with Speed Freaks. Um, mm. And like, obviously, it's it was a strong list at the time. And he kind of just prefaced it with like, oh, yeah, this is list i've been playing for years I, I love orcs i love speed freaks this is just i know it's pretty strong right now but you know this is what i like so um and then yeah you know, I, I mean i felt uh i mean like i i knew i was what i was going against was strong but i guess it made me feel a little better knowing that he wasn't like a mad chaser not that there's anything wrong with that but like he this guy's here to have fun and he's playing what he likes he's not here yeah. to like uh compete super hard be a sweater you know not, mm. not that there's anything wrong with that obviously but yeah <laughs> yeah yeah i think that it's just very important that <laughs> we we all think there is nothing wrong <laughs> with, with, with like meta chasing or anything like that we don't want to get anybody upset or anything like that yeah it's it's but, but we're here to ruffle yeah. feathers what are you doing yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Feathers. It, it, <laughs> it feels different when you're playing against someone that's like really passionate about mm -hmm. what they're playing putting on the tabletop you know yeah, I guess yeah. the point that I was trying to get at. <laughs> a yeah. lot of times you can sense it though. You know, for example, like you can sense that right away. You know, like and 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 it comes across in lots of different ways. Like if somebody's meta chasing, a lot of the times it, it might not be their collection, right? Or you know, like they they just kind of borrowed a bunch of stuff from different people or kind of hodgepodged it together, and the the color scheme doesn't match, or you know. So there's a lot of stuff that like if you do want to play like a top meta army like if you put the effort into it you paint it like it looks nice like you're still doing sort of like or you're you're getting a commission or whatever it is like if you're putting that effort into the hobby aspect of it just as much as you are the, the crushing people with it that's fine you know what i mean like and and if that's the way that your community plays around you and you're all like one-upping each other all the time and you love it and that's like the way that everybody enjoys playing the game all the power to you yeah. personally you know, when a lot of the times, because the meta armies are so well known, whenever I took my Drukari to a tournament during the height of a the Drukari meta, and I wasn't running any of the meta stuff, mm -hmm. that was when people knew that, well, you either just play for fun or you know what you're doing, right? Because it was like I'd be running Void Raven bombers or like. Race of Jet Fighters. They're just the like mad just random stuff. Yeah, this madman. Absolute yeah. crazy man here. That's, that's the guy I'm scared of right there. Yeah. <laughs> like, he shows up with like completely off the wall stuff. Yeah. Like, what are you talking about, Scary? What you're explaining is like a nightmare to me. I don't know. I can't, I can't do that, man. And so they'd look at it and go, oh, you don't just meta chase. I'd be like, no, I've been playing for, you know a long time like yeah. i don't like i don't feel like i need to prove anything to anyone so i'm just playing mm. like my army is really strong right now so i can literally run whatever i want yeah and it's fantastic dude i i am like i am so afraid of chaos space marines 
Like, t- I know that, like, a lot of people, you know, they're obviously, you know, like, not the best army. But, man, there are so many dedicated Chaos Space Marine players. And they know, like, everything about the books. And, like, it's scary going up against them. Because they're just, like, this one has Mark of Slanesh. This one has this. This one has this. This one can do Veterans of Long War. I'm going to pop Veterans of Long War. All right, I'm going to use Endless Cacophony. And then they're, like, all right, Demon Forge. I'm, like, what is all this stuff? I don't understand. <laughs> You're scaring me, man. I don't care. Yeah, it's a stack of five codexes i'm not gonna read all that man yeah. i'm just gonna go what you say dude because <laughs> they haven't had the rules update in like five years so yeah <laughs> they, they, they know everything already you know yeah yeah exactly <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. but dude when you go up against those people it, it is it is terrifying it is absolutely terrifying um uh, i guess that we can kind of like end it off uh, a little bit here uh just you know uh i think that we hit all of our topics here we don't have to like beat uh, a horse to the ground or anything like that just because you know just uh playing with underpowered overpowered armies helps your friends still stay friends with you um yeah you know so that's always important uh don't just think that uh if you're gonna take uh, a casual you can't just say this is a casual army or this is a casual list but then bring like all the top meta choices or like the most efficient units and then say it's a casual list because then that it's not a casual list right like it, it'll go like probably like three two or something at a at a at an event or whatnot um but you know just keep in mind that there's other people in this hobby and uh just be respectful to your opponent and have fun with them and if, if they're your friend you want them to have fun too so just always have fun with your opponent right that's the first that's like the number one rule of warhammer right that's in the book right that's like the number one rule. I'm pretty sure. Something uh, like, like that. Page page three twenty two section yeah. twelve. Something <laughs> like that. Something like that. It's it's it's, it's in, on the it's on the it's on the sidebar. So you might miss it. Yeah, yeah. it's on it's in the rules appendix somewhere around there. <laughs> um, Rare rules. <laughs> yeah. Um, is there anything else that you guys want to talk about with this topic? Um, anything at all that you guys want to do before we end off? No, I think uh, I think that really goes through what we wanted to cover today. You know, mm-hmm. it just shows that. You have to understand it's a social contract. If you're going to like LVO and you want to compete, you're going to be running into people who are competing as well, and they're running the most efficient like version list yeah. that you see out there, right? Like it's if you want to play American football and you want to get into the NFL, you know, like you, you if you if you try do tryouts, you're going to be trying out with people who want to do that for a living. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like they like they're they're eating, breathing, drinking, like waking up and looking at and thinking about just football, right? Like that's mm. what they're going to be doing. And it's the same in like competitive, like any competitive sport. It's like, but if you're just going to hang out like at the Thanksgiving football game or whatever with like the family, like you all know that one person that takes it too far and gets like, yeah. you know, it's like way too competitive. This yeah. is just for fun. Like cousin, than, like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, cousin Bob, like, yeah, come on, bro. Like, this is yeah. not the NFL. Yeah, it's like, like yeah, one of those. better than this guy. Yeah, yeah. Or like you're having, you're, uh, you're having like a board game night and it's like, okay, we're playing charades and someone just gets a little bit too competitive at charades and it's like, can't, we got to ban charades, guys. Can't do it. Yeah. It's over. <laughs> So it happens with like pretty much any like game. We all know mm. that. Like from yeah. Scrabble to, to chess to, you know, charades, whatever it is. You know, it's mm. the same with 40K. Like you're going to be spending two to three hours rolling dice with a person. Mm. I much prefer rolling dice and having a good time, having some laughs, and like actually enjoying the time together than just someone being miserable the whole time. And then just being yeah. like, I could have spent this afternoon with my family or playing mm-hmm. Civilization or whatever. Yeah. 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 Lose, losing your whole night to Civ. Yeah. Oh, man. It's yeah. four yeah. days. I lost four yeah. days of my life last week. And he didn't even finish the game. It's still, it's nope. still, it's no, still no, going. No, no, I finished one game. Finished one <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah uh, you know and it's like uh what, what what you were saying you know uh if 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 you do smash somebody and you're like trying not to and you're trying to be a good friend and everything like that but you still end up smashing them just be like hey man i'll buy you a beer i'm sorry dude like i don't mean that like you know i i, I value you as a friend just like let's let's chill out i'm sorry dude you know just keep that in mind. Anyways, that's it for this episode of Chapter Tactics. If you guys liked it, make sure that you guys leave a thumbs up. If you guys have any ideas on how to uh, um, uh, go on with this type of uh, method of playing um, with your armies that are strong, right? 
Um, leave a comment down below. Let us know what you guys think. And uh, that's pretty much it. Scary, where can they find you, man? Well, I just want to say a quick shout out to everybody who reached out after the Drukari episode that we did. Like the now, so there's a lot of people that reached out. So thank you so much. I really enjoyed reading a lot of those comments and messages of folks who like appreciated the topic. So thank you very much for that. Like deep dive it was really fun. Um, but you can find me on YouTube. So you just type in Scadcast. That's S K A R E D C A S T. I'm a full-time content creator, so I do battle reports, and I work with mini wargaming and art of war, and so like I do a lot of stuff. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, and uh, what's it called? Uh, I saw one of your streams where um, I think that someone on your team made like an entire spreadsheet of like uh, win rates for a uh, a weekend. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, it's for the Patreons. I do yeah. like a I do like a Meta Monday analysis where mm-hmm. I break down. But one of our Team Canada teammates is literally compiling all the data from all the gts and mm. making like a color-coded spreadsheet of victory oh. win rates wow wow faction va- faction versus faction yeah and so i i use and he 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 very he had like he i'm very happy he gives it to me every every week he like sends it to me on sundays or like monday mornings and he's like here these are the numbers for this week and uh, ever since the beginning of the enactment like gt pack so it's been really cool to see like just the like you can see the differentials like point differentials mm-hmm. of like how much people are winning by on average which i think is super important when you're trying to like figure out how many points you need to score to win games it's yeah. really fun yeah that's 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 incredibly yeah. uh that's incredibly cool yeah uh, yeah uh john p where can they find you uh you can find me on dice check we stream mondays at 6 p.m pacific and Saturdays at 2 p.m. Pacific. Uh, I haven't streamed recently on my personal channel. You can also find me at twitch.tv forward slash JoeNathanP. Uh, usually do hobby streams or strategy gaming streams during the week. And also at your local McDonald's, probably in the playpen uh, or playing <laughs> Mario Party and those broken Nintendo things. <laughs> all, and they're always sticky. It's sticky. Yeah. It's, it's, it's yeah. Some, some kid with like little... <laughs> Candy fingers is touching all over there. It's just gross. Yeah. But you'll be there. So it's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. that's it for this episode. Thank you guys for watching. We'll see you guys in the next one. Goodbye, everybody. Bye. Bye. See you.